Where you been? Huh? Boy, you just forget about practice or what? I mean, you think I like sitting on my ass waiting for you clowns, huh? Why, that's funny? Is that funny? Is that funny? How's this? Is that funny? Yeah? Hey, I'm serious, man. You guys need to keep pushing, man. Good start. <laughs> You've been sitting here on your butt for an hour, just doing nothing. I Dude, said, don't move. Dragon's yeah. Den is too captivating to worry about anything else. <laughs> I hope that's what you're watching. What a show. It, what a it show. was, actually. There's a new season nice. on Netflix, and I love it. Oh. Is it now, is, is the show still on? Like, when you say new season, do you mean new to Netflix, or like the show is actually still uh, going? It's new to Netflix, but it's from, they keep referencing 2019 on it, so okay. it would be the one that finished last yeah. year or whatever yeah, yeah i didn't realize that show was still going that's pretty incredible i think it's season but, 14 or something yeah i mean my my favorite things about shows like those are always like the people who go in and just look like complete idiots oh there's <laughs> there's some really good ones on this it's almost too hard to watch it's like oh man like yeah just watch and an episode you should know what you're getting into like don't show up with not knowing what you're talking about Oh, for sure. Have you ever like bought anything that you saw on Dragon's Den or like gone to a company that you saw on Dragon's Den for anything? Uh, I don't really buy that much stuff, so I don't think so. But it is always <laughs> cool when you like go to Bed Bath and Beyond, and you know they'll have a big right. setup, and it's like as seen on Dragon's Den or whatever. Yeah, I actually um, there are two things. I forget what the one I was looking for was. It was like some vehicle thing i think i must have seen them on dragon's den and they got just like laid into by by like the dragons or whatever yeah and uh, so i went to their website and it was just funny because they had this whole write-up on how the dragons the dragons were all inaccurate it was just like this super petty thing real bad looking website like i was like yeah okay you got shot down but there was actually one that i think I can't. I, I feel like it. It got funded. Maybe it didn't get funding from the dragons, but I remember seeing it on Dragon's Den, and it was literally located right next door to my grandparents' place. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, it was like this like goalie training school thing in uh, Medicine yeah. Hat, and uh, I remember seeing it on, and I was like, wait a minute, that's like right next to. And they live in like um, not like a seniors like an, an old folks home or anything like not assisted living but just like an you know a condo building for older people sort of thing and right next door as you like turn into their parking lot was this goalie school it's no longer there anymore so it's i don't think it's in business anymore but hey whatever yeah. that's enough talk about well, dragon's Den. i was just gonna say oh. there's well I'm, one of the product like uh, on instagram there's always these sponsored ads and there's yeah. been one and on tonight's episode was the company selling it so obviously they've done work on it the last year right. and now it's yeah, it was for like a weighted funny. blanket kind of thing. Looks pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, one of my children has a weighted blanket. But as I was saying, enough about Dragon's Den. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the <laughs> podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Including uh, my the dragons. Is, including the dragons. My name is David. And what's your name, Dragon? My name is Aaron. Dragon Aaron. Uh, Dra I, I don't Dra know Aaron. if I'm, I'm Aaron, a dragon, dragon for Value Village Finds. If you find oh, something man. good, I'll invest in you there and... 
pay you I what you want for it. <laughs> I want to talk about Value Village in a second, but first let's uh, let's do the social media stuff. Go follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find links to our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. Uh, we're on Facebook. You can look up Growing Up Punk Podcast. We're on Facebook there. Um, so go go find us wherever you're listening. Tell your friends all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I wanted to say about Value Village. I recently returned to Value Village for the first time since um, right before COVID-19 stuff was going on. It was such a weird experience, like going in there. And it's it, it feels, I mean, it doesn't feel any different because, you know, you go to a thrift store, you kind of feel like a little dirty after you've gone through things anyway, right? Like <laughs> it, it. it's got like, yeah, yeah. But it's got like the thrift store smell and yeah. whatever, right? Like, but like going in now, it's just kind of funny because they're like, oh, there's actually, it's probably so much cleaner. There's like hand sanitizer everywhere and you just go through and people are spacing out. It's real good, but I didn't find anything. So there um, hasn't been any new donations in how long? So, well, yeah, I, I, I wonder because I don't know how long, I mean, I don't know where you guys are at with your, you know, kind of like reopening in Saskatchewan, but like here, it's been a couple weeks now. I want to say maybe we're coming up on two weeks, but I know like we went through so much stuff when everything was first shutting yeah, down. You're like, what else do you do? So we did a whole bunch of just like going through stuff, right? But then my wife was like, this is the worst though, because I have all this stuff I want to get rid of and I can't take it anywhere yeah. because, you know, they were all closed at the time. So maybe we'll see like an influx all of a sudden of just like stuff that people got rid of. I did get a bunch of books though, but the problem is I actually have to start reading to make those of any use. <laughs> Well, I I just assume they still weren't receiving anything, kind of giving yeah, you a maybe. bit more time. Because I'm sure they know everyone's got a stash of stuff and they don't want, you know, everyone's yeah. crap that's been sitting around their house yeah. during this time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder what, like, the how that works, like, what regulations or whatever are in place for that. Because, I mean, like, I want to assume I'm pretty, I'm, like pretty confident with value village like clothing wise anyways i feel like they wash it out of that or they spray it with something because it all like i said has that smell to it where you know it doesn't smell like it's dirty clothes but it's way more fragrancy than anything i've got yeah. in my house so i don't know that they're running them through washing machines though because that's also like a lot of like water and, and that, stuff yeah. to be constantly I think there's washing just clothes with. a guy in the back just kind of shaking it <laughs> like out. With and, Febreze. Uh, not even just that. a lot just of bottles of Febreze. Hitting the pants against the steel pole, get up the dust out, and <laughs> good to go. I always wash it when I buy it anyways. I don't trust. Yeah, no, I do. Place. I do too, but... But uh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> didn't didn't find anything worth taking home outside of a handful of books. And then I brought the books home. I was like, yeah, excited to read these books. Then I realized I'm literally in the middle of a book that I started reading the last time I went thrifting and still haven't finished it. Maybe I should finish that one first. So I've been trying to plug away at that. But yeah, um, well, I will say yeah. Value Village is a friend, uh, is a punk rock friend of the show because uh, oh, that's where oh, I got friend. I got all my punk clothes in high school. It's from Value Village. So it's fair. Yeah. When we say punk rock and all its friends, it's not just bands. <laughs> it's, uh... There you go. <laughs> I for sure did some Value value Villaging for, for T-shirts. It's always been mainly T-shirts for me. Yeah. I, I have bought the odd pair of jeans from there when I find some nice, like, black Levi's or something. I'm like, oh, these are actually in good shape. I might buy them. But for the most part, 95% of the time, it's for clothing. It's just T-shirts. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go through CDs and books too. But so yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're going to talk about music. So let's talk uh, first. Let's let's talk about some new music we've been listening to. Not a ton of stuff for me that really came out since we last recorded. Yeah. Um, I do. I do have something. But why don't you share a song that uh, that you wanted to mention? 
So uh, mine is by a band called Broadside, and the song is called The Raging Sea. Who am I? The fear is sinking in. Your hands are getting colder as my talents wearing thin. All I ever wanted was the space to put my head. You took my need to be loved and you hung me from a bridge. I'm your poster. I'm your trend. I am your lover. I think it was uh, just in the last, well, maybe it must have been Friday that it came out. So Broadside's a band. They've released two albums on Victory Records. They've been around for a bit, kind of in the pop-punk genre. You know, both their albums were good, not necessarily anything that made a huge lasting impression on me. But they released a new song maybe about a month ago and then this one. And it sounds like they've kind of changed directions a bit. Um... You know, the songs they released are a bit darker and moodier, a bit more dynamic, and just kind of really interesting to me. So I'm excited to see, um, I think they have an album coming out this summer, so I'm excited to see kind of mm. what that entails. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the song that I wanted to mention real quick is by an artist by the name of Nate Parrish. Uh, he's got a new album coming out in June, uh, but the song I wanted to mention is one called House Made of Mirrors. <laughs> It's off the album, the upcoming album, I'm a Wreck. And what I love about it is it sounds like a sweet mix between like social distortion and Bruce Springsteen. It's yeah. this, this really nice kind of like in the middle where, you know, they're taking the elements I like from from both of those artists. I don't know if there's any elements I dislike about social distortion necessarily, but I've always liked, and when I say always, I mean for, for a little bit now. I don't know if when I was a kid, but like Bruce Springsteen, his the melodies he comes up with his storytelling and his lyrics i've always enjoyed that and so kind of seeing some of that inspiration come through uh in nate's music is pretty awesome so um yeah and he's been releasing some videos on youtube that are you know whether they're just him performing these songs you know 
digitally spaced out f- with his buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Not all in the same room, but, you know. Um, or he's even got some covers that he's been doing and stuff, too. It's pretty great. But, uh, yeah, so Nate Parrish, House Made of Mirrors. But uh, let's get into... We're, we're talking about Rise Against today, which... Um, tell me a little bit about your experience with Rise Against, and then we're going to get into the records. The records are Siren Songs of the Counterculture, and then... Uh, why do I always do this? I always draw the blank on the, the second. The sufferer one. and the witness. The sufferer and the witness. There it is. So, <laughs> but tell me a little bit about you, like your first kind of exposure to Rise Against. Yeah, I was just thinking about this um, as I was waiting here, <clears throat> trying to even think about the first time. You know, this band's been around for a long time. I can't remember what year uh, the Unraveling came out. Um, but yeah, they're they're song. I mean, they signed to Fat Records, so that's where I would have um, came across them, and they had songs, you know, on the Fat Records comps and. And all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they've been around kind of as long as I've been listening to punk music. And just a band I kind of always kept in touch with. And we listened to a lot on tour. And, you know, I kind of lost. They kind of started to shift their sound a number of years ago and uh, kind of lost lost me as a listener. But a very, very dynamic band, super talented musicians. And even on the albums that I don't love, I always find something interesting on it to listen to and Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Tim is, is an amazing vocalist, you know, whether it's on the earlier kind of fast paced punk stuff or more on the rock side of things, super gifted vocalist and adds a lot to the band. So yeah, the unraveling, I just checked real quick. It came out in 2001 and, yeah. um, yeah, I don't remember how I first heard about this band. It was probably on, uh, I want to say like some kind of sampler or something, right? Like. Um, but I know I was immediately drawn to it because, and I'll talk about this a couple times over the, the course of this episode, I think, but because of the fact that it, you know, we talk about that fat rec sound, but I don't know if there's a lot, when I, when I think of that fat rec sound, I think there are kind of different aspects to that, Yeah. but I, I, I like, I, I specifically think of like good riddance in that sound. And right. there was something about rise against, especially at that time that reminded me of good riddance at different times with, you know their own thing as you mentioned like tim and his vocals he's got i would i would venture and say that he's um he's got a little more range or dynamic to his vocals than yeah. maybe russ from good riddance yeah, but yeah. doesn't necessarily mean i like him more but you know he kind of brings that to the to the table and you know I, I i got the chance i saw them live a couple of times um which is this this is one of those bands where i look at and i'm always kind of a little bit amazed because they did make it on the radio and they did fairly well on the radio. Yeah. In fact, there were some songs on these two records that were on the radio. But for myself, um, seeing them, I there's this series of shows that happened. And when I say series, I believe it was two. I They at one point, I can't remember. I saw them and I can't remember if it was Rise Against I saw with Mad Caddies or if I saw good riddance with mad caddies Mm. um but it was this show at the warehouse in calgary and i just remember absolutely loving it and i want to say it was it was rise against the mad caddies and it happened like literally days maybe a day maybe at most two days after having my wisdom teeth pulled oh brutal so uh, I was all in though. Like I felt, I was like, nope, I'm good. I was probably hopped up on some kind of painkiller or whatever, <laughs> but uh, I went to the show with my girlfriend and absolutely loved it. But the next time I saw them, or maybe it was the time before that, I said they were on Warp Tour and I saw them playing a side stage. And did you ever go to Warp Tour in Calgary? 
Yeah, that's actually where I the one and only time that I've seen them. So that was 2006. So that would have been on the okay. Suffer and Witness. Uh, yeah. Era. Okay. So yeah, I want to say I, the, both times I saw them was on they were touring for the Unraveling, and when they played Warp Tour, is this side stage, and of course, like Calgary, the Warp Tour there was at Race City Speedway. So it's like this basically just a giant parking lot in the middle of the sun right right you know what i mean like yeah. no shade it's just there's asphalt around you and dust and some grass but like nowhere to go escape yeah. the sun and they were playing a side stage and all i remember is the circle pit going there was maybe 150 people at that specific i don't know who else was playing at that time but it was just like it was hard to see them because it was just a dust cloud from the circle pit going in front of the stage um but yeah no they were they were a band that there was a period of time for those first two records that I was 100% like they were up there for one of my favorite bands. Mm. Um, and then something happened. So why don't we get into those things that happened? Cause it's, <laughs> that sounds terrible. That sounds like I'm saying something happened. They released crappy records. That's not true at all. They just, for whatever reason, I kind of was like, I don't know, like just lost track of them. But let's talk first mm. about siren songs of the counterculture. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you share some uh, share some thoughts on this record and some tidbits? Yeah, so it's so funny you mentioned Good Riddance because that is my first note. It says similar to Good Riddance. So when yeah. I was listening to this, it immediately caught my ear. Maybe just because Good Riddance is, you know, on a enough of a rotation for me on a yearly basis. And but yeah, just kind of that similar, you know, four piece kind of fast paced punk, um, kind of you know melodic hardcore influence um not a lot of lead guitar parts but they know how to write you know really catchy songs with still kind of enough grip to them um so what i, I thought was interesting on rise against i'd be interested to hear your thought on so they yeah. did four albums um with with the same producers at the blasting room and i was curious to to what you think about bands that that kind of keep going back to the same producer do you like when you can kind of count on the same sound coming from a band or do you like when bands kind of diversify a bit and you know when you see that with a different producer it's like oh okay he worked with these kind of bands i wonder how that will yeah. make this band come out i mean i don't know if i have a a preference one way or the other like there, there's something to say about a band going back to you know the same producer or even like a um let's say like a collection of bands working with the same producer, uh, just knowing like, Oh, if what they put out previous was good, then why not? Right. But if it was kind of like, Oh, it was okay. Why did you go back to him? Like, I don't know. I don't, producers are also something that I 
don't really look at too closely very often. Like I noted, like I took note, I saw that um, Siren Songs was um, recorded with Bill Stevenson, right? I saw uh, that. Well, no, actually, this one wasn't. So they went to Garth Richardson. Um, oh, so was is it the next? I, one of them I saw was with Bill Stevenson. So they, yeah, they did uh, Revolutions per Minute, the one that came out before yeah. this, and then the following three that after this it. one. <laughs> and uh, so that's what was interesting about this is they said that they you know they went to Garth to kind of try switch things up. And it didn't really go how they were hoping to, and so they ended yeah. up going back to the blasting room. And I mean, Garth Richardson is a huge, renowned producer. He's done a ton of awesome albums, um, and so it's not that the album sounds bad, but yeah, I think yeah. just a big part of being in a studio is the chemistry you have with a producer, and if mm-hmm. they're not completely on board with what you're doing, and that makes a big difference. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so the band spent its first four years signed to the independent record label Fat Records, like we mentioned on which they released uh, two studio albums, The Unraveling and Revolutions Per Minute. Both the albums were met with underground success, and in 2003, the band signed with the major label DreamWorks. Um, So this was Rise Against major label debut, so the siren song of the counterculture, which brought the band mainstream success, largely in part to the popularity of the singles Give It All and Swing Life Away. Um, So Rise Against's extensive touring schedule helped to establish an early fan base, and attracted the attention of, of DreamWorks, to which they signed to. The general consensus among Fat Records musicians was that major record labels sacrifice musical integrity in exchange for commercial profit. Rise Against held the same belief, but eventually came to the conclusion that unlike other labels, DreamWorks supported their politically charged lyrics. And according to Mikhail Rath, uh, the singer, their faith in what we do and the fact that they cared about stuff we cared about was an eye-opener. Um, so that was just kind of interesting. So this was their, you know, first major label debut and it's mm-hmm. still, it's still rise against, you know, if you didn't know, yeah, if you didn't know that and you listen to, um, revolutions, then this one, you know, it's a similar sound. And so yeah. that's, that's cool. That they were kind of still able to go with that. It's kind of an interesting fact that you bring up talking about rise against, you know, having these politically charged lyrics and going from a label like Fat Wreck and signing to a major label, um, because there were a few like super political bands. I don't know if super political is the right word, but but where their lyrics were typically political that I got into. And I mean, one of those ones I brought up a few times was Rage Against the Machine. And that's something that they dealt with. I don't know that they were ever really on an independent label. Like I think Rage Against the Machines like debut album, I'm pretty sure was on a major label. I could yeah. be wrong. But but they faced that kind of criticism a lot, right? Like in going, You're a band that has this message yet you're signed to a major label. And, you know, like their approach to that, their thought to that was, yeah, we made some sacrifices in that way, but it also helped, you know, us take our message from you know, a small audience to a ginormous audience, right? Like a gigantic audience that Rage Against the Machine had and even still has, seeing as they're back together, yeah, quote unquote, you know, this as tours aren't happening at this moment. But, um, you know, so for Rise Against, who obviously they, they share the word against in their names, uh, you know, a similar thing. They're able to, obviously, they, they sign to a major label and they end up having radio success and getting their song out there. Like, no doubt they went from playing one size of a show to a completely different size of a show, not to the level of Rage Against the Machine, but being able to take that message that they have and expand it and share it even, like, it, just expand that reach. Um, 
I think sometimes just gets overlooked in the whole like punk rock elite sort of thing, right? Where they go, oh, you know, the people who take take issue with a band signing to a major label. It's like, well, right. I mean, you know, it might be one thing if that band is just like, you know, writing songs about being, you know, whatever, like just just writing songs about whatever don't necessarily have one, you know, um, cohesive message sort of thing. And it's like, oh, you just took it for the money. That could be one thing. And and to me, that's still fine. I'm like, can bands not make a living? Like, right. you know, yeah, it's yeah. probably nice for them to be able to pay their bills. Um, but at the same point, like the fact that they took a message and they didn't shy away from that message, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's pretty awesome. But myself, I'd kind of mentioned, you know, I was, I was pretty heavy into Rise Against for their first two records. Um, but it kind of fizzled out by this point and I don't really have a reason why, like, um, it's not like I'd hear them on the radio and I was like, going back on the, oh, sellouts or anything like that. I never had that problem. Right. Like, um, I mean, one of my favorite bands at that time was Blink-182. So, I mean, like they were, they were all over the place. Right. But I, I found it interesting. I don't know who it was from the Talking Records podcast, but they did, uh, they commented on an Instagram post. They said, I listened to their first two records so many times. I kind of burnt myself out on them. By the time these two records came out, I enjoyed them, but wasn't as invested. Mm. And I wouldn't. So again, I don't know who that was from Talking Records. I think that'd be Jed. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who runs their, their social medias. Cause I think, Craig commented later, but, um, but anyway, the, just, just the, that I, I don't think I ever really even gave these records a chance. So it was, it was kind of fun to go in and listen to them knowing a couple of the songs because they were on the radio, but, um, I do have one of these records that I like more than the other. So let's get into the songs. The first one that you brought up was paper wings. I just quickly wanted to say, um, so talking about the politically charged lyrics, so again, similar with Good Riddance, both of these bands were kind of in the same vein um, lyric-wise, but they weren't, it wasn't so overbearing. You know, when I think of bands like Anti-Flag, you know, who I've been a fan of for many years, but there's definitely at times I'm listening for a full album, it's like, okay, like I just, I can't handle another song about the president or... Right. about like whatever protesting something and you know that's that's great if that's their message but with these bands it was a, l- a little bit more broad it was a little bit easier to digest so which is which is funny because there is a song that we're going to talk about on this record that's specifically about protesting <laughs> yeah so yeah again that's okay if it's in there but it just it doesn't feel yeah, yeah. like every song is like 
you know, we're right. trying to fight against get the it. government or whatever. Well, and that's fair because, like, with Anti Flag talking about them, they're and I really like their album. Was it Twenty Twenty Vision? I think that's what their latest yeah. one's called. I really actually enjoyed it musically and whatever. But the lyrics did get a little kind of like heavy at times, just like just tackling, which is fine. It's just not where I think I was at or am at most of the time listening to music. But just like tackling heavy subject matter again and again and again and again but doing it in a very like heavy-handed sort of way where it's like there's no shying away that you're singing about this or that right like um and i mean those songs were done really well but i i can kind of get what you're saying it's um i i do find and maybe it's yeah I've, i've never found rise against to be you know a band where i'm like Okay, they're singing about this again. He's, I maybe yeah. Tim's just very, very poetic in that way, right? Like, and it, it just works really well. But yeah, so let's, um, without spoiling too much, let's get into Paper Wings. Yeah, so this track focuses not on self problems or a rough life of one's own, but rather someone else, possibly a family or a, a friend who doesn't quite have their life together. Paper Wings as a title could mean that the wings or possibly life are temporary, not strong enough, or breakable just like paper. The person might have trouble finding themselves due to what's being forced in them. Tim tells them to take the road that's been laid out before them. So I I love the guitar that starts on this song. So just the guitar comes in by itself, and then that killer little guitar lead comes in with the fast drumming, and it just gets me so pumped. I love that. And uh, yeah, the song has a great chorus, which brings back the the guitar lead again, so it kind of brings the song together. The bridge brings a, a guitar solo, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Uh oh, I don't know if David's gonna <laughs> David's gonna like that." But I, I mean, it, uh, to me, it, it seemed tasteful enough. Yeah, um, it's funny that you bring that up. First, I, I, there's a couple things I want to say. One, I wonder how many songs over the course of history have been written about or referenced the story of Icarus. Have you ever heard that story? Um, about, so like the familiar. story, it, I would say Greek mythology, the story of Icarus, he had like the wing, wings made of wax and he flew too close to the sun. So the wings melted and oh, he fell okay. back to earth. So like most notably for me, Hope's Fall had a song called Icarus. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And it just, as soon as I hear the word Icarus, I'm singing Hope's Fall. Um, but in this, there, there are, like one or two lines where I mean they're talking about paper wings here versus wax, but he talks about something like along the lines of I saw you fly around the world with paper wings and talks about them like catching fire or whatever, like just basically falling back to earth. But anyway, um that opening guitar riff, I really like it. However, I I'm I question I'm not a big fan of the guitar tone, I think Ooh. specifically on that lead riff, it sounds so weird to me. Like, cause I was thinking at first I was like, well, is it just an issue I have with the tone in general on the record? But it's not because once it all is going, it's fine. But just like that kind of, um, you know, pretty typical like skate punk riff that he's playing. Yeah. It just feels like as far as the guitar is concerned, he's got it on like the neck pickup, which gives it kind of a bit of a, a, a warmer, um, thicker sound, but not like a chunky sound. So it's whereas typically like a lead riff, you're going to play on the bridge pickup because it kind of brings through that you know more treble cuts through a little yeah. bit more. But so it just sounds a little muddy to me. But I like it. It still works, and it's great that you brought up um, the solo because I think it's this song, uh, or is it? Was it this one? Did I not take a note? I thought uh, I wrote something about. Um, I, I want to make sure I'm not going to say something about a different song. 
Oh, I, no, there's a solo in a different song I like. So okay. I don't want to jump into that yet. But um, there is something about this song, though, that reminds me of we were speaking about the unraveling earlier. And my favorite, I'm pretty confident in saying my favorite Rise Against song to this point is the song Ever Changing off of the unraveling that's the one's like in the face of change that's when she turned to me mm, and I'll said to go back and check that track out yeah it's i love it because it starts out kind of like more mellow and then it comes in and it's just like boom, like the the drums are fast and whatever and it just kind of goes but what i like about it and what it shares in a similarity with this song is that tim's voice tim has a tendency i find to kind of like he goes back and forth between like singing and yelling and kind of more screaming sort of thing, like all over the place a lot. Yeah. Whereas on this song, I find he just finds a spot and sticks in that spot, that energy and sings kind of that way the whole way through, um, which is very similar to ever changing where he just like, even when the drums are going fast and the whole bands come in, he hasn't like amped his voice up. He's kept it kind of that same level. And I find that's very much kind of what he does on this song too, especially when we get into other songs where it's like, you got screaming all over the place and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just really creates this kind of environment vibe, whatever you want to call it in this song that I'm like, Oh, I just like that. Once it settles in, it just goes from start to finish. It's mm. pretty, I, I enjoyed it. I, I also loved uh, kind of towards the end of the song, it cuts out to an acoustic and he's yeah. just singing, and then it comes back full force, but at half time, and I just, yeah. I just love that because you think it's gonna come in fast, and it's just, you know, kind of just yeah. riding that half time, and it's like, oh man, it's just a really cool driving force to it. And one thing that jumped out to me a couple times on this record, and maybe on both of them, is just how they construct a song and structure it. Um, yeah, like as there's a few occasions where it just feels like, okay, well maybe this is, Oh, they're doing this now. Oh, that's kind of neat. Right. Like, um, how they'll just kind of like even slight change things up and just putting songs together. I think, uh, they did. They're, they're pretty darn good at, at least from what I can say now from albums one through four, because yeah. I still haven't listened to anything beyond, um, the sufferer. Right. So, but yeah. So you want to get into the next one then blood to bleed. Uh, that one's yours. The that's, other one. Yeah, that's yeah. mine. Take but, it away. But, you, but I, I was more asking, did you have anything else to say about Paper Wings? Uh, no, just, yeah. Okay. Great, great So let's song. talk about... Move on. <laughs> let's talk about Blood to Blue. This place rains with echoes of Lives once lived but now are lost Time spent wandering about tomorrow I don't care if we lose it all tonight Up in flames, burning bright So this one, I love the lead bass line and just how it starts. And you can immediately you can feel that the song is going to feel a little bit different than, you know, most, if not all of their other songs on this record. It also like the, you know, like the six, eight time signature sets it apart. Yeah. Um, the tone on the bass in that intro kind of actually reminds me a little bit of Tool. I don't know if you've listened to Tool very much. No. But um, there. So when did that come out? Was it 99, 2000, whatever? Um, 
they I, I was I was never big into Tool, but their song Schism came out. I want to say when I was in grade ten, and it has this really neat like bass intro that this isn't doing. I actually compared um, a Story of the Year song to Schism by Tool because they had this neat sort of bass intro, but. And the bass intro on this doesn't sound like that, but the bass tone reminds me of the bass Ooh. intro on Schism, and so immediately it kind of hooks me. And uh, this is the song where I wanted to talk about the solos, because this song also has a guitar solo. And I'm not typically a big fan of guitar solos. And the thing is here, this one's fine, because I, I actually really like it, because I think the delay on the guitar is really nice. Yeah. It's a very melodic solo. Like He's not in there being like, look how fast I can go, or anything like that. I right. feel like it really fits the song well and it leads nicely into the bridge where like the because it kind of like creates a bit of this like melodic um not peaceful by any means because it's still like a you know it's still a rock and you know punk song sort of thing but but like it just kind of like really pulls you along and then all of a sudden it hits you with like this bridge where it's just full of screaming oh, right yeah, like oh yeah and again talking about the song structured really great way it's pretty standard it goes verse chorus verse chorus solo bridge chorus outro which is nothing crazy but the back half of the song i think kind of starting with that chorus into the solo and out yeah it just works so well it flows so well and you're just like you, you kind of get locked in and i mean it's it's six eight time right like it's hard not to just kind of be like oh because six eight it, it just as far as like a, a standard time signature it stands out right like compared to say four four or whatever it's just like it's a pretty standard time signature but you know immediately Oh, they're playing in 6-8. I can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely changes the groove of the song. And, I mean, pretty much yeah. what you said is my notes. I mean, I love that bass riff to start. <laughs> you know, the 6-8, yeah, it gives it a really good groove. You kind of feel like you're, like, kind of swaying with the song. Yeah. And, yeah. and that yelling in the bridge just kind of amps up that part. And, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you picked this song because this is one that's always stood out to me. You know, it's it definitely yeah. stands out on this album because of the different feel it has, but there's still a lot of energy to it. Sometimes with six, well, eight timing songs, they're like a bit too swingy kind of. Too swingy, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but and they that, do this one really well. Oh, 100%. And that is one of my, like, I just remember playing with other musicians, and anytime we do something in six, eight, it was always this, like, struggle of going, like, okay, it's six, eight, but can we avoid, like, making it, like, swinging, you know? Because sometimes that can be fine, but if everything, every song sounds and swings like that, it kind of gets annoying, right? But, yeah, but yeah, I, th I think they did they did a good job kind of avoiding that swing while it's still obviously 6-8, and it just changes things up a little bit. And um, I was a little hesitant to pick this song only because the next song we're going to talk about is To Them These Streets Belong. So look in my eyes, what will you leave behind once you've gone? Inside inside of this hate of the lovely 
Now, the reason I was hesitant to pick it is because all of our songs are in a row. <laughs> that was one of my notes. We picked three songs in a row, so that must be yeah. a, a good chunk it's of the record in there. But I mean, which the, is that's not a bad thing either, right? Because then I love records that have that where you like kind of get into a song and it's like, oh, I know the next couple songs here are just right. like so good. So why don't you share some of your thoughts on to them? These streets belong. Yeah, so I, I love that this this song just starts with that kick drum going, and then uh, Tim's vocals come in, and so we kind of mentioned about his vocals before, but I just he adds so much on this song. I love when his his voice starts to go to the like getting strained. It just has yeah. such a cool roughness and scratchiness to it, but it's not like he can't sing it. It's just when he's pushing his vocal yeah. range, and that's yeah. probably my favorite part about his vocals, like. It just makes it intense. You're kind of like, oh, man, like this is kind of gritty. And, you know, yeah. is he going to keep pushing it or is he going to rein it back? And he kind of does, you know, a bit of both on there. Um, so the song, it's not as fast-paced, but it's definitely still really upbeat. You know, I get the sense that this song is, like we were saying before, is referring to a protest or a march or yeah. something that happened. And, you know, maybe some people lost their lives for whatever cause they were fighting for. And, and so, again, yeah. one of those songs that when I'm listening to it, you know, I immediately wasn't like, oh, okay, this is some, you know, anti-whatever song protest. Is like, okay, this is engaging me. This is kind of drawing me in as I'm reading through the lyrics. You know, just there's so many good lines in there um, yeah. that just kind of catch me and kind of hook me in. It's like, oh, I wonder actually what this song was really about. Right. Yeah, I love it. You bring up a good point in that his his lyrics, He's very he's very poetic, right? Like, I mean, this song technically lyrically i think could fit on a on a, you know any other politically charged punk band's record you know writing a song about you know protesting and and that kind of thing but it, it also feels very very different in that sense um and, and i love that there's a lot of thoughtfulness into this and i don't want i don't want that to sound like you know ragging on other punk bands who are just straight up like we brought up anti-flag and and i actually like anti-flag i just downloaded 2020 vision back on my phone it's like oh i want to listen to that again it's yeah. been a little bit and i really enjoyed that record but you know like it, it does kind of get a little for me it gets a little draining just when it's so like on the nose versus like expressing like i just i just think he writes pretty well yeah definitely um, uh, there are a few things on this record specifically, I think, where there's like lines where I'm like, uh, I felt like the line was fine, but as it felt like he was like cramming it into, mm. you know what I mean? Like the syllables, it just felt like he was trying to cram more into a line than his melody was allowing space yeah. for. Um, but it doesn't get to a point where it's, you know, too, and I don't know if that was this song specifically, but it doesn't get to a point where it was too like overbearing or like, okay, like maybe reword that or rewrite that melody a little bit but specifically about this song i love the f the backing vocals on this song is yeah. what really jumped out to me the screams and everything just going on with it um it was i just thought it was really great yeah yeah and then i just had uh i just wanted to quickly mention two other songs um so the song swing life away so this was an acoustic track and this was um the one that kind of gave them a lot of exposure and uh, I just thought it was a bold move, you know, for a band of this style to, to release a song like this. But it obviously, you know, really played to their favor. And and uh, I remember hearing this song kind of all over the place. And I don't mm. necessarily love the song, but, you know, yeah. it kind of adds something different to the album. And, you know, maybe it was kind of their first, you know, kind of little uh, step in a different direction. Yeah. Um, or just, you know. I, yeah. I 
do wish with this song that there was like a full band version because I think I really like again the lyrics to this song and every like the melody and all but it just I just can't get into this is one of my complaints about Tim's voice is like on this song I'm like I can't get into it Hmm. right like I just don't I'm not big on the on the sound of his voice on this song and I just I feel like if they had if this was just an acoustic version of an actual full song, right. and I don't know if that exists. I, I thought it, so. it was crazy because when I was skipping through it, I was like, I thought for sure there was like a full band part in this song. And so maybe that exists somewhere, but clearly not here because yeah, this is just an acoustic song. And yeah, that was my one thing about it is I do wish like there, it was a full band thing, but, um, but yeah, I mean, good for them like you said getting them on the radio and i think it kind of worked as a bit of like a stepping stone or a foot in the door for them in the sense that you know maybe it wasn't likely that if they sent out first like one of their more like straightforward you know punk songs or whatever being like this is our lead single or whatever off this record i doubt stations are going to pick it up as quickly whereas if this comes out and stations pick it up and it does well stations are more likely to add things in the future regardless kind of of the sound right like They'll, they'll be more open to hearing something like, oh, yeah, they had that great song. So, I mean, it's kind of cool. It does definitely stand out on the record, not necessarily in a great way for me, but. Right. And it, and it didn't, you know, their follow-up, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, is still a very hard-hitting album. It's not like this song totally. gave them exposure and they're like, oh, okay, now we got to explore more of this. Like, So I think, you know, there was lots of bands. It's not like they were unique to having an acoustic track by any means. Yeah, yeah. But. You know, maybe in the more punk hardcore genre, it was a bit more unique. You know, there was some of the more, you know, maybe like scene kind of bands that would put that in. I don't really right. see uh, Rise Against as necessarily a scene band that's trying to get, you know, teenage girls to be you right. know, their main <laughs> fan base. But yeah. again, this song, you know, this song isn't, that's not kind of who it, the crowd it's for. Here. And so I, is it, because I want to look, because now I'm not sure if I listened to um, a deluxe version or was it the last song on the record or is it uh swing life away no it's not because my other song yeah. i want to quickly mention is the final song on the uh, on the album oh, rumors of my demise and uh, but yeah quickly the thing about swing life away that felt weird is at that time it always felt like you know when punk bands or even pop punk bands or whatever they would have like an acoustic track but it would be always like this closing ballad sort of thing, right, right? like I, I think about mill and Colin with penny bridge pioneers right yeah. like um the the closing track on that and yeah the band comes in and kind of like fills it out towards the end but uh there were bands were doing that a lot so it feels like the placement is a little weird maybe but well anyway you can yeah i was gonna say almost the opposite i like that like i don't i don't like ending a high energy record kind of on a low it's like okay every you know yeah. So kind of like we're kind of getting to the end. Let's slow down here, and so that's why I I picked this last one to touch on because it's such a killer way to end the album. It's super high yeah. energy, um, you know. I, and I just love when a closing track makes me want to re-listen to an album. You know, if it's a slow song, yeah. it's like okay, I'm done with that. I'll move on. Yeah. But when I was listening to this album, I was riding my bike and the song came on. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Like I almost just want to go back to the beginning and keep going. Instead mm-hmm. of being kind of ready to move on to something else, so yeah. So to me, oh, I thought that was a good placement. I and I think I prefer that too. Like for a close to an album, um, 
I feel like I've said this before. There was another album where like the second last song was like this acoustic song and they came back with something. I can't specifically pinpoint what it was, but that just always feels a little bit weird to me. Maybe, but maybe in a good way where it's like, oh, this feels like this is the end. And then here comes another song and it's like, yeah. oh, but it's not. And as long as that song's good, right? Like, and I think that's kind of the risk that you run. Not necessarily that an acoustic song is guaranteed to be good and guaranteed to be a, a good album closer. But if you do come back with more when it feels like it's done, and it's mediocre, then it's kind of like, eh, right? But yeah, in this case, be that's a good one for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So let's move on then. Let's talk about the sufferer and the witness. This is noise. So this album peaked at number 10 on the Billboard 200 in the United States, and this was Rise Against's first album to chart in countries outside of North America. So um, I, for some reason, I thought that the, the album we just talked about was, because it was on a major, I just assumed it was this huge album, but it actually it didn't kind of explode as much as they thought. You know, later on it went to sell, I think, half a million copies, but right. um, it, it actually sold pretty slow to start off with, which is kind of surprising because it's it's a big album but um, so this one they went back to the blasting room um, you know kind of going you know they had that experience with Garth and and decided to go back to kind of what they knew Um, so this was like I mentioned the year I saw them they were headlining on Warp Tour this year so um, you know they had obviously kind of jumped that next that next tier level kind of in the last few albums or especially since you saw them at at Warp Tour on on the Unraveling uh, this album yeah. was well received by critics who praised the production value and noted how Rise Against was able to mature in their sound and simuta- simultaneously. Simultaneously. Simul- <laughs> <laughs> wow, retain their punk roots. And uh, so, so again, you know, still staying on, on that major and the kind of more mainstream, but still sticking yeah. to their sound. You know, I wouldn't have. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I knew they weren't on Fat Records back then, but if you just put right. this on, you wouldn't necessarily know yeah. that. So, um, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, this record, I I definitely prefer the sound of this record. Um, it it does feel cleaner and yeah. Um, I mean, cleaner is probably just the best word because I talked about you know on on the one song um, with like the guitar tone and it just kind of feeling muddy. 
I don't get any points on this record where it feels muddy and you know kind of weighed down in any sense. It feels and reminds me more of Revolutions Per Minute, which was you know like a, a record that I absolutely fully loved. And uh, yeah, so I mean, the, for for me, this was the one that I definitely wanted to come back to more because I I do think the songs are just as good, but the production just feels better for me yeah it's hard to go wrong with the blasting room like i don't know if there's any albums that have come out of there where i've been like oh i don't like this as much you know you know what you're getting everything sounds really clean and and punchy and you know they they're musicians the guys that run that studio so they yeah i think that that helps a big part too you know they've been in touring bands and so they they get it they have Uh, I think so. Just a few times. I think so. A few times. So let's get into (laughs) the first song that we're going to chat about, which would be Injection. So this song, you know, it's got a really classic melodic punk opening riff that I love. Instantly hooks me in. I love the pre-chorus, and then the chorus is just so catchy on this one. It's got a really cool little guitar um, lead during the verses. The song talks about going through the process of losing a loved one and thinking on the memories of their life, maybe even about the battle of having to decide on, you know, pulling the plug on someone and seeing them slip away. And So I thought it was just kind of a cool contrast. I couldn't necessarily tell exactly what the song was about, but kind of you know along those lines of um yeah just maybe losing someone or having to make a decision or Mm -hmm. you know just kind of that end of a life and kind of contemplating that stuff yeah the my note that i had on this song is that the chorus of this song just screams being sung in a crowded room with a bunch of sweaty people yeah unfortunately is you know not possible right now but maybe maybe someday soon we'll see i saw a thing on uh, I want to say it was on Instagram, maybe, that there was um, someone was looking at developing a hazmat style, like not yeah, full on hazmat that. suit, but like a, <laughs> basically a suit you could wear to go to shows. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Could you imagine just how sweaty that would be like, inside man, that che- thing? Check out my new MXPX hazmat suit. <laughs> it's so it was fantastic. $300. It's the only merch I can buy for the next two years. Did you, <laughs> did you ever watch what it reminds me of? Did you ever watch. Um, I want to say it was the Jackass movie. Did you uh, see that? Or, yeah, I'm sure I did. Uh, yeah, but there was this bit where Preston, like he was the really big guy. They like basically like wrapped him in um, like plastic wrap sort of thing, and then so he's just wearing like underwear and wrapped in plastic wrap, like from the you know basically from his neck down to his feet. 
and then they just had him running on a treadmill, so it was just collecting the sweat. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. just That's what it would be like to go to a show in a hazmat suit. Yeah. Um, but this song really reminds me of one of my notes I had here is like that fat rack sound, like good riddance on this song where I'm like, oh yeah, I can hear it. And I mean, again, that's what I kind of initially was attracted to with this band because good riddance was the band, like was a band that I was into before these guys and going, oh, they're kind of continuing where these guys are. And this is fantastic. Um, And the bridge on this song, the screams are so tight. Like that's one thing I think they do that, you know, good riddance doesn't really do is like more of that. I don't know if you call it, like melodic hardcore post hardcore like screaming sort of thing but they definitely get more into the screaming side of things which was also like a sign of the times right like when we're talking about those early 2000s there were a lot of bands that were screaming yeah and what i like i think he stands out differently than those it doesn't come off as he like you know a hardcore gruff scream it's more of like a stretching of the voice like putting more power into it instead of like a a typical I don't know. growl. I think he, well, yeah, he's not growling, but I mean, there are times where he's doing like distorting his voice, like putting that power into it. But I also think there's times where he's just full on, whether it's him or someone else in the band though, full on screaming. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, not, not like a growl by any means, but, and he's not, yeah, he's not doing like that, like hate breed sort of, you know, like the, the yeah, it's down. not like tough guys screaming. No. But it, but it fits more in line with, you know, like maybe what was going on in, you know, like on the on the post hardcore emo side of things, dare I say screamo, not calling them screamo, but just like <laughs> that, that sort of sound of a scream, right? Yeah. Like a little more, maybe a, a little more emotional and not as necessarily like angry, like just being like, ah, now is the time, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I love this song though. And the, the screams when they come in, they've done that a few times over. I'm just like, okay, this song's all right. And then the bridge hits and I'm like, oh, oh okay. I see what's happening now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you mentioned good riddance again. And I just thought of another interesting uh, bit on these guys is their rise against drummer was actually trying out for Good Riddance originally, um, yeah. and then they, you know, they already had had another drummer. They said, "Oh, well, there's this band, you know, our friend's band, Rise Against, is looking for a drummer," and That's so funny. he became the Rise Against drummer. So look at that. There's That's... lots of connections between those bands. Oh, there you go. Well, then it's official. They are just uh, Good Riddance 2.0. Um, <laughs> not not true. Not true. They do their own things. Let's get into the next track, then, which is the song Brick. Yeah, the opening of this one almost makes you think it's going to be a darker song, but then the vocals come in and it's very melodic. Um, I like when music does that. It makes you think you know it's going to go one way and then it goes another and it kind of just keeps you guessing and engaged in the song. Verse 3 and the bridge are really cool. I love how it just goes right from the verse into the bridge with this cool like fist-pumping attitude to it. And the chorus sings, We're setting the fires to light the way. We're burning it all to begin again. With hope in our hearts and bricks in our hand, we sing for change. And I think that's a really cool way to word, you know, we're fighting for change. We're not going to give up. You know, it might even get a little bit destructive, but sometimes destruction is needed for a fresh start. 
Right. And uh, I, yeah, I really liked, you know, like we mentioned, he's a really good lyricist. He knows how to yeah. kind of put his thoughts into words that are really engaging and different and not just, we're going to throw bricks through windows because we're mad at you, <laughs> right? It's, it's still hopeful and just kind of yeah. plays with different wording. I did think it was funny that, you know, you specifically – you know, like ragged on anti-flag or whatever for like protest songs. And two of the songs <laughs> you picked were protest songs. But um, yeah, this song I love. It's like, it's so quick. In fact, when I first was listening through it and I was like, oh shoot, it's over. I got it. What? I didn't even have time to formulate a thought on this song because yeah. it's already over. Um, it's like a minute and a half long, I think. But yeah, basically, you know, a song protesting, taking a stand against the elite and the decision makers in society and just saying like, you know, maybe... Maybe that's not, I, I also wrote down the line with hope in our hearts and bricks in our hands, we sing for change. Cause I thought that's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful image because yeah. I think like the first part of that with hope in our hearts. Okay. Well that sounds, it's, it's interesting because it sounds kind of more of like a passive take on things, right? Like we're hoping for change. We want things to change more than anything, but then they follow that up with the and bricks in our hands, like just being like, okay as you said, like it might get a little destructive and it's not just them singing about like how, Oh, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. I'm going to throw bricks through your windows. And, and, you know, it's just going to be absolute carnage. Um, it's interesting that the hope in our hearts comes first, right? Right. In this line where it's kind of like, okay, like let's come to a resolution sort of thing. Let's come to this change that we're looking for. But if it, if it's needed, we've also got the bricks in our hands. And I just think it's a, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty great line for sure. Yeah. It comes Especially from a, it, it packs a punch in a minute and a half song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I, I like that. It comes from a place of hope instead of anger, right? Like hope comes first. Right. Yes. You know, there might be some destruction, but really they're wanting something good to come about it instead of just, right trashing a police car or whatever yeah yeah light lighting stuff on fire <laughs> okay speaking of cars getting trashed and stuff let's get into our final song which is one that i picked it's the approaching curve the music player with a calming frequency the speakers gently seek the sounds of ambient keyboards and light percussion create a seductive soundtrack to our midnight drive to curses of blackness the windows were cold to the touch I definitely picked this song similarly to why I picked Blood to Bleed. Was that my pick last time? No. Yeah. 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 Blood to Bleed. Um, similar in the sense because it feels so different from yeah, anything else that's does. going on on this record. Also, the chorus on this song is in 6 8 time. <laughs> um, so I, I just had to pick oh, the songs that were 6 8. Up on that. Yeah, so the verses in this song are 4-4 four, four, when he's doing, like, the spoken word stuff. Right. And oh, then yeah. when it comes into the chorus and he sings, it switches to 6-8 time. And so that, like, kind of caught me immediately. 
and like the, obviously the spoken word verses. Yeah, um, it's really intriguing. The, yeah, it's funny because like as it starts, I'm like, okay, I, I didn't expect the spoken word, and then when you adjust to it, I'm like, okay, listening. I'm like, okay, he's telling. There's a few times where I'm like, I don't know if like if the lyrics are quite doing it for me here, but then when I like, it's weird because when I went on and looked at the lyrics they were written out different than he kind of like phrases them. Like they were the same words, but the way they were written out, I don't know if it was on genius or whatever, but they were, it, it felt even more poetic. Obviously he's mm. doing spoken word. Like there's, there's not much more poetic than doing actual spoken word poetry in right. a song. Right. Yeah. But the way they like, like space them or whatever phrase, I was like, Oh, like it, it, it just kind of flowed a little more, whereas he kind of would like bridge two lines together and stuff, and probably trying to make it sound a little more straight up spoke, as spoken as opposed to like so like robotic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it seems to be you know a song about um, you know like two people having a conversation while driving late at night in maybe not the best weather, and whether or not that conversation, which it, it appears to get kind of heated in some way. But whether or not it actually ends in a car crash or not, I don't know. They kind of like leave that like up to you, right? Like there's, you know, the approaching curve and she showed no signs of slowing down, but that's where the song ends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what happened? And then it goes into Thursday's understanding in a car crash. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's got a really cool delivery to the song. Like the spoken word, you know, it's intriguing and it adds a, a different dynamic. I don't know if I love it kind of, you know, for all the verses, I would have yeah. liked something a bit more different, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's got a cool overall vibe to it. And, you know, if you look into the lyrics, like it, it, it fits that the style of song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I maybe could agree with you there in like maybe sp- spoken word for the first verse and then changing it up for the second verse. And then maybe like the way it ends is kind of fine where he's, he's spoken word again, but, um, yeah, no, I just I just liked how different it was, and it kind of yeah it definitely kind of came out of nowhere because the song I was initially going to pick was Drones, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, and then I I don't remember if they go in that order. If like is the approaching curve after Drones, it must be, unless I was just yeah yeah it is. And I say then the approaching curve came on, and I was like, hold up, let's uh let's take a closer listen to this. So yeah, I definitely appreciated. There's been some artists that I've listened to where they do kind of like some spoken word delivery sort of stuff that I've enjoyed. Um, so it felt different than any of those. I'm thinking about bands like me without you, for yeah, instance, where, you know, I love me without you. So this definitely doesn't feel like me without you, but yeah, you know, no. like kind of getting used to that. Oh, this guy's not actually singing at this point, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Did you have any other songs that you wanted to mention? Yeah. So there was yeah, two other ones, um, ready to fall. So I think that was kind of the big, the big hit off of that song. I remember yeah. them playing and that at Warp Tour and, <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was so good. Just super catchy. Um, Tim really pushes his vocals in this song and it just makes it a really great song. I, it was yeah. hard not to pick that one. And then the other one was prayer of the refugee. And uh, I just liked, this had a really cool feel and mood to it. So they kind of changed the feel and tempo of the song for the chorus. And it just creates this really cool dynamic to the song. And it just always gets me excited every time this one comes on. So um, one thing I will, yeah, one thing I'll say about those two songs is that um, even not having like really given, because like I went through both of these albums but then more so went back to the songs we were going to talk about once I kind of got an overall feel. But but like um, those two songs, 
immediately when you say them, I'm like, oh yeah, that song. And I, I can sing the yeah. chorus to Ready to Fall in my head. And then, you know, like that opening guitar riff on Prayer for the Refugees, like, dee, 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 or however. Yeah, dance, dan, 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 dan. yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, it's they're they're very memorable songs. And part of that could be because like what else was on the radio at that time that sounded like that? Like it's always so weird when you get like I mean, I get the pop punk explosion or whatever that happened, you know, kind of in the mid nineties with like Green Day and those bands, where it was like all of a sudden you were hearing like that was kind of a regular thing. And then there was kind of like a slight there was a bit of that in the early two thousands with like Blink and Some Forty One being yeah. on radio and, and Simple Plan up here and stuff like that. But then to hear just like one band here or there break through, like Rise Against breaking through, or even more recently, like the Interrupters breaking through, where it's like, what? What is this doing on yeah. ma- like radio? Like it's 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 so weird. So maybe that's why those songs stand out a little more. And because at that time I was, I want to say, what year? What year did this album come out? 2006. Two, 2006. So yeah, I was, <laughs> that's amazing. I was working um, at a garage door place like for steel craft doors we were i was basically i was cutting windows in garage doors yeah and so we just had the rate like the local like the calgary rock station cj92 was playing and i can remember rise against coming on and being like oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) the one shred of hope for mainstream radio yeah yeah and then you know you get like the 90s songs that you liked but then there was a bunch of stuff that i'm like oh next please yeah but uh anyway let's get i wanted to get into um couple of I reached out on on social media on Instagram to get some people's thoughts on these yeah, records. Let's hear it. So, let's hear from some of these people, starting with uh Ryan Schuler, friend of the show. Ryan yeah, Schuler. what's up, Ryan? Yeah, he says uh The Sufferer and the Witness is one of those albums that is solid from beginning to end. Killer recording too. And then you actually commented. Uh, and then Mike, I don't know if it's Romeo, Romeo. Sorry about that. But he says, siren songs all day. Rumors of my demise. That is all fire emoji. <laughs> so he, so he's into it. Um, and then, like I said, we were talking about Jed from Talking Records, or we're assuming. Uh, he says, always partial to revolutions per minute, which then started a conversation where I said, yeah, as am I. But that's not on the list, man. Future episode for sure. And then you jumped in and we started talking about how you like the you dislike the killers and you've lost your mind. And all yeah, that sorry. Um, sorry, I, sh- I should <laughs> preface that. Disliking the killers is OK. Mr. Brightside. Uh, that's questionable. Um, and then uh, Q nuts. Q nuts. What is your name? Do you actually have a name? No, it just says Q nuts. Um, <laughs> I lost interest. In Rise Against after Siren Song, but I think Survive is the best song they've ever done. Um, so there you go. Rise Against, a, uh, they, I think I still think they're a great band. I'm interested to go and listen to some of their newer stuff. I don't know when their last record came out. Well, they they had an acoustic record, didn't they, or something like that? Oh, I don't remember that. Their last that one was, was maybe a few years ago. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it's hard when... Yeah, what is the Ghost Note Symphonies? I feel like I listened to it. Oh, like they're, I'm I'm just curious, are they acoustic? I can't remember now. I'm literally gonna play this. Yeah, they're acoustic. So they have yeah. In 2018, they released. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, they stripped back old songs to new forms. Wolves, I think, was their last kind of new right. form in 2017. So, but I'll have to I'll have to dive into some of those, um, because. Like I said, there's there's something to kind of discover or rediscover with bands sometimes. In like Tim's lyric writing, I was. I was quite impressed and was in, I shouldn't say impressed. That makes it sound like I thought he <laughs> it was like, ah, he's not going to beat my expectations. I just really enjoyed looking into those lyrics. A yeah, little more. for sure. So unless did you have any more thoughts on rise against? I wish they were still a punk band. 
<laughs> Again, I'm going to have to go back and listen and yeah. see like how is, are, is that accurate? Is that an accurate statement? I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a lot more rock influenced. And that's, I mean, I always find that hard with bands, especially when they have, you know, it's one thing if they just had, you know, one punk album and then kind of moved on or whatever. Yeah. But because, you know, there's you know, four and even though even the one following this still had some on it and then, you know, to have two or three after that, that it just makes, if I listen to it, it's like, I just got to go back to the old stuff. I just, I can't, sure. can't do the same, but yeah, great songwriters, Been great there. band, you yeah. know, good for them for expanding their sound and their audience for sure. Yeah. Well, so that's going to wrap up Rise Against at least this time. I think we should do more episodes on them because there's some good stuff to yeah, to get into, but uh, you don't even know what's coming up next. So I'm just going to tell you because plans in the air that I just keep shifting or whatever. So up next, um, we're going to get back on track with our Blink-182 series. We've got a couple more episodes left, but I think up next we're actually going to do Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and Cheshire Cat. I can't. <laughs> he says no to that. So that's what you're going to hear next. And then uh, I think maybe... Uh, w- the problem is like summer plans kind of keep like shifting and moving. And I'm just like, well, we'll just kind of keep going with what we got going. But yeah. so, yeah, well, I think that'll wrap up the Blink-182 albums. I know nine is out there and like Mark, Tom and Travis show and stuff like that. But um, we'll do take off your pants and jacket and Cheshire Cat and then see where we go from there. Sweet. Uh, so with that, make sure you go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. Find our personal instagrams and twitters there and wherever you're listening to the show make sure you rate it review subscribe all that kind of stuff share it with your friends that will do it though so bye-bye so Hey, do you think we should bring him to the pool tomorrow? He's got to run the shop. Dude, you just got patty slapped. <laughs>